Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to the Big Turtle podcast. Uh, we are in Srinagar, Kashmir today. And uh, with me, I have uh, Namrata Waklu. Uh, she Hi. Is, Hi, everyone. Yeah, she is a, a, a friend of uh, the family and she's acquainted with my mother and I connected with her on social media. And she has a very interesting Twitter feed where she puts up pictures and videos of her travels to Kashmir. Uh, Namrata, of course, is Kashmiri. And uh, she, uh, she, she was there until uh, 2000 when, uh, when the family left. So um, we are going to talk about, um, uh, about her, her experiences growing up in Kashmir. And uh, Namrata, so would you like to tell us what it was like, you know, uh, in, from the early 90s onwards, and you stayed, you were, you said, you were, you, your family was in Kashmir for till uh, 2000. Uh, can you tell us what it was like? Because you were one of the families that stayed back. And I'm assuming things were not normal. Uh, 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 maybe you'd like to uh, tell us a little bit about yeah. it. So uh, I was just finishing school basically, 12th when the whole turmoil started and uh, by 1990, um, until 89, we didn't have a clue. We would see these small, uh, you know, uh, incidents happening, uh, now there will be no exams today because there's been some kind of a protest somewhere, but we never thought of what was, you know, awaiting us. So when the whole thing happened actually with 1990, the exodus and all, what happened was that um, ours was a big joint family. So my grandparents, my uncles, aunts, a whole lot of cousins. So we were a huge family. And uh, when we saw everybody kind of leaving lock, stock and barrel, they just picking up stuff and moving out. We also panicked because we had not experienced anything until then. Nobody had asked us to leave or, you know, kind of given us any kind of hints that we should move out. But then seeing our uh, relatives, our friends moving out, we also kind of considered it. But uh, my grandfather put his foot down. See, we had a family business. None of us were in government jobs or, you know, uh, th those kind of roles where we could have left and gone to say Delhi, Mumbai, taken a transfer with the government job or something. So uh, my grandfather said, like, I think he was practical when he said, see, let's not get emotional about the whole thing. We have to see how would we survive. We had a flourishing business there from my great grandfather's time. Uh, there's a locality called Maharaj Ganj in downtown. We, uh, we operated from there since 150 years like we've been there so he says like what would we do what would we eat where would we live i have this family of 25 members we can't just get up and go so so he insisted he said if you guys want to leave go ahead but i'm going to stay here because this is where i was born this is my motherland so he got a little uh, sentimental also so everybody decided to stay back now my generation like we were a whole bunch of cousins. We slowly started moving out because we had college to do yeah. and you couldn't have done it in Srinagar. There was no. no way you could go to a college there. So most of us, all of us rather, my generation, my cousins and all, we went out. So I went to Pune to study. 
but my parents my grandfather my grandmom everybody was back there so uh, i would visit srinagar at least twice or thrice a year whenever i had my holidays semester breaks and all so um, it was different you know when uh, i would go back uh, you know after my exams the whole environment in the city was different you could sense the tension a lot of armed forces around and you had to conduct yourself in a certain way like i'll tell you my mom would come to the airport to pick me up and if i would have worn a bindi or i would have not put covered my head with a dupatta she would panic so she would say ye kya kar raha tumne you know just remove this bindi and cover your head you can't so i found it really odd i said why should i do that i mean because i did not know what they were going through on a daily basis i was away in pune studying and there was hardly any communication there were no mobile phones there was no internet to stay in touch with the family so we would speak once in a few weeks so i really did not know how tense the situation there was so but she would panic and that's how they would kind of you know rush me bundle me into the car and we'll just rush be very careful not to be not to stand out not to look different just kind of merge and uh, once inside the home inside the four walls that's it that's where you spend those 15 days or one month you know doing nothing but staying in and uh, then their lifestyle the way they led their lives like my family it was different they had stopped sleeping on the beds for instance they would sleep, everybody would sleep on the floor i said what is this why do you they said you don't know you have to because you know we've been asked not to sleep in line with the windows and all from where you know any time anything can happen there are crossfire exchanges we can kind of get hurt and it happened i mean we they would get informed from i don't know how that kuch hone wala hai tonight we've been told specially not to move around in the house lie low literally lie low on the floor and all that and there would be crossfire at night and total panic in the house i mean i would actually shiver because i was not used to they would do the drill they knew the drill are shuru ho gaya come on come on sit down switch off the lights don't stand near the window i was like what are what is this what is this how are they living a life like this so my holidays would never be happy ones i would just be uh, you know panicking yeah. all the time then if you step out in the lawn also you would see you're surrounded by security forces because the locality that i lived in was a pandit majority all of them had left so the houses were either vacant or they were occupied by security forces so you couldn't even you were not even comfortable stepping out because you know people out there are watching all the time and you're not kind of at ease so so it was not a great experience those 10 years went like that and then finally one day you decided to all pack up and go from there yeah because you know my parents my uncles everybody wanted their lives were in danger it was not so safe see we were at home my mom my aunts they were not working women they were housewives so they would be home but my grandfather even in his 80s my parents uncles they would leave for work every day they couldn't have sat inside they had to go to maharaj ganj they had to go to downtown work with people 
with the locals hmm. so they had a had an immense danger to their lives hmm. like they say they got picked up several times oh my god by terrorists under very scary circumstances you know when i hear those stories and i got to hear them later on because i wasn't there it was only later much much later my dad would tell me ek din aisa hua tha ek din aisa hota you know they would come there to our offices we had shops and go downs there they'll just summon you somebody would come and say aapko bula rahe so you know you know what can happen my dad so we would kind of lose all sense we didn't know what to do but you can't refuse you have to go and the fear that they, you could be shot any time why are they wanting you why have they summoned you what is it that they want so that thought would go in their heads so several times these incidents happened that all of them got picked up taken away to some some kind of a hideout questioned that what are you doing here why did you stay back so on so we they had to convince them that we never left we've always been here and this kind of working with the people luckily we had a very good um, i would say uh, you know people around us in the neighborhood they knew us the locals the majority the muslim population also so we were you know the relations were good with everybody knew that we what kind of a family we are so they would pitch in they would talk support us and kind of save us at times from anything wrong being done wow, so it was like that yeah sorry no and, no please uh, go on then then so, so these things continued happening we lost a lot of uh, uh, money also in the whole yeah. thing the business yeah. because we used to work in the entire valley yes and the business was such that you would go to villages each village in town and uh, we never got the money back many people yes. left yeah so with that went the so there were a lot of bad yeah. debts so so we were surviving still and then my grandparents passed away once they passed away so by 2000 Uh, they were not there and then my uncles my dad and everybody said it's not worth staying back though the business had started picking up the militancy also had started you know coming down a little but uh, the point was that we had no social life there my, we had no relatives no friends no nowhere to go no one to meet so it was not worth it and then we were all the children were out uh, in delhi mumbai or wherever or some of my cousins had got married by then so they were in canada us so they said ki what are we doing here if we don't get to be with our people with our family and children so uh, we kind of sold off the business the home and everything and uh, left and then the family dispersed that's a sad thing we all grew up together but now we are all across the globe kind of spread yeah. out so you know that's how and now we keep in touch through all the zoom calls we yeah. have weekly meetings and all and we talk about old times all the time we talk about old times <laughs> and that's how it is the same stuff gets repeated every saturday we have this call at 10 and we discuss the same odd silly things you know which only we would know and only we can <laughs> laugh at those jokes <laughs> it's like that yeah it's we live in very it's, complicated times Mm-hmm. But Namrita, I mean, what you've told me—it sounds very scary—and uh, 
you know, it's it's traumatizing. And I can see how um, this sort of polarization that's there, I can see that there's good reason for it, you know. It's a very sad thing because, like, how does one reconcile? Because, see, I did not go through this experience. First of all, I grew up in Bombay. And Kashmir, to me, was always a sort of distant uh, uh, place where I would go for holidays with my relatives. So it wasn't like a living reality. And, and then I moved abroad very early. And, um, and this conflict and this, uh, this whole issue, the emotionality of it, was alien to me until recently, not recently, a few years ago, when I started writing about religion, politics, history, you know, on a professional basis. And then it all came back, it sort of uh, became very real. Uh, and then I saw my own, you know, and because obviously I grew up in a Kashmiri household, I understand the language, you know, I don't speak it fluently, but I understand about 80 to 90%. Uh, and when I'm here in Srinagar, you know, it's as if when I hear when I hear people talking, it's as if I'm back in my grandparents' house, you know, back in yeah. the old days when I was little, yes. <laughs> within my parents' house, you know, because it's the exact the inflection, the intonation, yeah. the the, the you know the the way uh, people address each other and the slangs and all that. So, and the accent and the accent, the Kashmiri accent, the accent yeah, and. Uh, I mean, and I have to tell you that maybe because of that, because I didn't grow up here, you know, I found the people here to be very warm and very friendly and very uh, sort of, they are mehman nawazi, you know. They just want to, to call you into their home and give you tea and food. And this is the general culture here. So... Uh, um, so to that extent, I've been very pleased, you know, and, and very happy to reconnect. And I'm writing a book and stuff and, and uh, hopefully doing a film here. But things are slowly, you know, I, the longer I stay here, I start seeing, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm, now I can see beneath the surface. And uh, clearly, um, there are forces here even today, they don't want, you know, things to get back to normal. Uh, now, every six months, there is an attack of some sort, and there is a killing, you know, and it's like a message um, that's sent out to people. On social media, it's, uh, you, you see this happening all the time, you know. I mean, I'm yeah. shocked. I went on Clubhouse, and the way they were talking, I walked, I went to, I was in a clubhouse group. It was all Kashmiri Muslims. I did not know what the group was about. I just stepped into it. And they were talking about the struggle, the freedom struggle. And then I started talking and they were like, then, then it got really uh, nasty. And then I left Did the you group. get thrown out? <laughs> no, no, no. They didn't throw me out. They didn't throw me out. But I was just exposing the nonsense they were talking, you know about Azadi, you know? I mean, I was like, dude, first of all, Kashmir doesn't exist in a vacuum. You have to look at all the entities around it, you know? 
I mean, Azadi is like something, you, it doesn't come out of thin air. You know, I mean, what is happening right now? So anyway, when they didn't like that. And then they started saying things like occupier and oppressor and what. Collaborator. Yeah. And then it, you know, and I had these, ex- I, now I kind of, it goes, it's, I've, I've become immune to it. But I, I had these experiences before with a journalist, you know, and um, yeah, I have, luckily I have the support of editors and the media because I write for all the major digital platforms and all the newspapers. So, you know, they know that I'm not like some kind of religious fanatic because, <laughs> so they're not, yeah. no, you know, so there's no chance of anybody branding me uh, as that. And, um, so this is a situation I find myself in. It's very sad because either you're a bigot where you hate Muslims yeah. or you are like, you know, uh, 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 I don't know. The other side, it seems to be, they don't want things to return to normal. You know, whether it's the journalists who write for left-wing magazines and outlets or whether it's, um, uh, uh, and they seem to be working sometimes with these terror forces. You know, there's a big expose about how Pakistan is cultivating these people in Kashmir, you know? And I mean, it's just so scary. So... uh, Look, uh, I've seen that in Kashmir, there was always, this distinction was always there, the faith-based, you know, like Kashmiri Pandits and Kashmiri Muslims. But there was never this, uh, there was a line which nobody would cross. There was tolerance. We would respect the difference. It's not always important to be that we have to be same. We are similar, but we might not be same. So to respect the difference is important. And earlier that's when we were kids, we saw this respect. A Kashmiri Muslim would come to our home. Like he would treat us with love. We would treat with him with love and respect and he would reciprocate. There was no such thing as hatred or, you know, uh, it was completely, I would say, uh, uh, I mean, uh, very, very loving. And uh, suddenly, I don't know what happened, how this bigotry, how the mindsets changed. I think it was only when the Pakistan, you know, interference happened and people started going across the border. They got indoctrinated and, you know, the, the faith-based, you know, they kind of brain, they got brainwashed, I think. And otherwise there was no I mean I haven't seen a Kashmir like this we have grown up together at school we were Kashmiri Muslims, Pandits, friends we ate from each other's tiffin boxes, we went to each other's homes uh, we ate at each other's place, there was no such thing nothing like that yet we respected the difference because you know Kashmiri Pandits had their own way of uh, living they would not want certain things to happen similarly for them so that was respected I think the difference was respected I think the younger generations who were born after the 90s probably they don't even know what no. kind of an animal this Kashmiri Pandit was yeah. who were they what were they like were they like us from amongst us or something else they've been told a, diff- a lie they've been told, told different stories so all this Azadi talk I think it's that generation now that's doing I yeah. feel so 
they they feel that you know we are i don't know why they question that that kashmir is not an integral part of india of mainland india then where was it where have we come from we haven't <laughs> dropped from where we have been now if, if you see my last visit i went to these some ancient medieval age uh, temples from which are 1300 years old 1200 years old what does that tell you who i mean if we have come from out where have we come from we were there there so islam came to kashmir only what 7 800 years back but kashmir has a history of 5000 years and you can see if you read uh, raj tarangini and kalhana's account you would know we we have always been a part of main and india despite the fact that we are surrounded by mountains cut off by the himalayas but then the connectivity was there how did otherwise shankracharya come from down south to srinagar and the temple is there that stands testimony to the fact that and that was thousands of years back so one is that we should not deny no one should deny the hindu past or even the buddhist past of kashmir we should be happy okay we have evolved we have changed we should respect that also if islam came and people deny we should not live in denial but uh, so there is there is enough space for everyone i think we should improve upon the tolerance quotient and uh, let kashmiri pandits also have what is theirs right now i don't see that maybe there are people who still want us back there are i can tell you because i have many friends and they would love to see us back not one or two but many such people are there probably because of the fear of the society the peer group or they fear their lives so they don't open up they don't speak up we need the civil society also to stand with us and tell the government hey come on we want the kashmiri pandits back let's do something concrete not just you know make one such pro policy okay some rehabilitation program under pms package 500 houses aisa nahi hoga we will never be able to return unless we have the support of the civil society there and believe me there are people who want us back it's not that everybody is has that separatist kind of a mindset there would be a small group but uh, and many people have changed i've seen over the years who earlier kind of supported the azadi concept whatever that was i never understood azadi but now they have realized probably that they were just being led into some fools paradise some kind of a dream there was no such azadi there in the first place so they wasted the last 30 years believe me many of them have realized that it's been a waste the last 30 years so many people have died pandits left good we suffered but even the muslims over there have they not suffered they have kidnappings deaths and many, what not has happened many deaths Most so they realize do. it now yeah and azadi i really don't understand when you say about this azadi initially when we were young it used to be pakistan india there was no azadi concept at all there was a group that would support pakistan zindabad cricket match ho gaya so if they if pakistan would win there would be crackers and all agar india jeet gaya to fir to hamari khair nahi hamare ghar ke sare window panes would be broken aise patthar aate the upar se niche tak so we used to fear ki aisa ho ke in a cricket match we would prefer ki india jeete hi na because if india would win gone are our entire window panes would be shattered oh tak 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 
yeah that was india pakistan thing at school also you will see people you know okay imran khan that, that, that was okay fine but when did this azadi concept come in between i think they realized that pakistan is a failed state probably no need to associate with them and let's create something else now a new dream which doesn't exist anywhere what azadi and how will we be azad a tiny valley kashmir only that but little valley wants azadi jnk is huge not everybody wants azadi so how will they get azadi and what are we going to do have they thought about it i don't know is there a blueprint of this azadi and what i feel that many people hold against pandits is that we did not support them in this azadi you know the war for azadi how would we i mean pandits are very docile you know i don't know if you know many non controversial easy going people apna kaam karo come home go for a government job eat make very <laughs> that kind so kisi se ladna nahi kisi se kuch nahi karna so and we have always considered ourselves as indians i mean where what else why would i call myself punjab uh, pakistan i mean there is nothing common between them and i punjab is pa- uh, pakistan is mostly punjab so it's not even kashmiri with my kashmiri people kashmiri muslims i share a lot culture culturally there is music that i share with them there is food there is the dressing and everything so i feel closer to my own people even if they are from a different faith rather than with some pakistani who i have nothing in common with so so yeah i am an indian i am in kashmiri that's how i find myself but what is this whole notion now the special status and the special status of course i am familiar with the history of it because i have read about pre 1947 and post 1947 and the amendments that were made in the constitution and so on but now that it has been abrogated you know there are lots of benefits that can occur there are lots of benefits that kashmiris can avail of um one of the things that is bothering people especially pakistan and their uh, allies in kashmir is that indians can now buy property and and live in kashmir you know um, so this seems to bother a lot of people that are demographic they are planning to replace yeah. us they are planning to replace how that is possible i don't know how you can be replaced when you are you know and and secondly uh, uh, so many kashmiri muslims own property in india all over india you know they have businesses their families properties i know so many myself who study there who live there who work there very funny even some of the journalists who write about azadi are living in delhi are making money yeah. there they have homes there and they right so i was like man why don't you go back to pack your bag go back to kashmir <laughs> if you want azadi what are you doing in india just leave you know <laughs> so this is very funny yeah, so that's the hypocrisy hypocrisy you know i mean what do you think what demographic uh, change you know people should be allowed to buy property if you if you are allowed to do it then why why not other people you know i mean this is some kind of uh, you knew now that uh, a kashmiri pand uh, woman pandit or muslim or any marrying to a non kashmiri would lose her uh, rights mother her her children would lose rights to property or everything 
so that was a part of this whole 35a and everything so, so so if that's gone we should be happy i don't know why we would want to have 35a and 370 back when our own girls our own women uh, were suffering because of that so i have friends who are so happy now they are all they are married to non kashmiris and they still have land they still have houses and farmland in kashmir and so my friend was worried i have a doctor friend she lives in bangalore she's married to a kannada kannadiga guy she would say what do i do i have so much my parents have property yeah. so i can use it while i am alive but once i'm gone it's gone i cannot pass it on to my two daughters so that was very unfair and if the if a law like that goes we should be happy and not want it back similarly when we can go out and buy like you said property everywhere else all kashmiris have properties in delhi mumbai bangalore go in goa cochin i have bumped into kashmiris in every state so they go there they do business there they have they do take up jobs there they have houses apartments winter homes but they would not want indians to come to kashmir now this is hypocrisy doesn't mean 370 hat gaya so do you think every people will just get up pack up their bags sell their houses and go and relocate to kashmir why would they do it who does that nobody living in say mumbai a mumbai kar who's who's living there working there he would not just get up sell that house and head for kashmir kyunki mujhe wahan rehna nobody does that there will be very tiny percentage who might want a property there a summer home or there might be business interests which is good for kashmiris what is the infrastructure in kashmir abhi aap dekho there's nothing over there once you go it's such a beautiful place but then it lacks bas wohi gine chune there are a few hotels that you can name you know on your fingertips ki ye teen char jagah hai wahan pe that also only srinagar gulmarg and pahalgam if you go elsewhere you don't have a decent place to stay or eat at so we want investors to come and develop it do it so that in a way that the ecological balance and everything doesn't get hampered i know it's a beautiful place and we don't want to spoil we don't want to kind of you know uh, pollute the place but uh, to say that no no one else should have a right to come and live there or work there that's this really unfair that is being hypocritical you know this is not not right definitely not you know the government of india really wants investment and they have tapped a few people i'm actually in touch with too. them and i'm um also talking to some people in bombay and bangalore who some of them are already on their way and others are interested so i'm trying to see if i can build some sort of a conduit but um but there no is no good any... colleges no good hospitals yeah. if you have a look since yeah. you're there there's nothing there's just a handful of good colleges good yeah. hotels hospitals name it is nothing you can't even have you don't even have cabs like here we are now used to ola uber why can't we have it there so once i go to srinagar it is like very somehow how do i commute how do i organize a taxi and i have to pay whatever he asks for and take his tantrums because there is no nothing else how do i the public transport is bad how does one so all these things matter you know and this will happen only when you let people come and and you know develop the place 
further. So that is required. And you know, you may be surprised, but a lot of Kashmiri Muslims, especially the working class, not the elite class, because mm-hmm. the elite class have nothing to do. So they can mm-hmm. uh, foment unrest. But the working class, they think it's a very good idea, first of all, to, for outsiders to come in, set up factories or whatever. Uh, and and they, are, they like the idea of a lieutenant governor appointed by the center because these politicians have really destroyed, you know, I mean, they have taken full advantage of the people, of the government, of their semi-autonomous status and looted, whether it's this Mufti Mahbuba or whether it's Omar Abdullah and his family or, you know, I don't know about the others, this Sajid Lone and this other Apniya party, but there are these entities, they are all allied with BJP. I mean, this Battu is allied with BJP and uh, uh, but right now it's a lieutenant governor and people are very happy because they hate the politicians, especially the yeah. Kashmiri politicians, you know, they really yeah. hate them. So um, this is something I have seen. As far as business goes, the people who were appointed as the point men for the Indian government, especially in the hospitality sector, now on social media, they are being called Indian agents and collaborators and all. There's a hotelier, mm-hmm. the guy who owns Pine and Peak. Oh, big thread came out about him, how he's an RSS, you know, RSS agent. Mm-hmm. I I read mean, and this is some Pakistani guy living in London, imagine. He may have some Kash- Azad Kashmir or something. Mm-hmm. And some other guy... Uh, all the names, I know all of them. I know Bhagati and his son and, you know, these are all RSS agents, apparently, in a big conspiracy. I mean, it's like, what do you want? Yeah? Do you want people to starve and suffer? And so the There is so have... much unemployment over there. Rather than getting into all these silly things, yeah. they should see, I mean, people are suffering. There are no jobs. You know, had there been no terrorism, do you think I would still, I would have been there? I don't think I would have been living in Kashmir. What would I have done? Because I'm not the one who would settle for a government job. My husband never wanted a government job. He's an engineer, but he never even applied for a job, for a government job. And there is no private sector there. So we had all made up our minds that we will move out of JNK and work there. So there, there are no opportunities. How many government jobs will you create? So, and there are no business opportunities. A little bit that exists in terms of these few hotels that you have, which you can name, and a few, you know, schools and all. There's nothing else over there. So, the common man is hurting. They really don't. There are, I mean, there are a few families, those that elite thing that you're saying, yeah. who have minted money yeah, yeah. over the last few decades. Yeah, yeah. The families of politicians and also they are sitting pretty good. They don't have to do anything. The, their generations, the next few generations, can sit and aram say, you know, survive. But what about the Aam Admi? Nobody cares. Nobody wants, and they have shut them up. They can't speak up for the fear of gun again. Which bola to then you know. And now you're not allowing people to come and work also, you know, to set up something like you just name that, you know, that you're threatening them and you're kind of uh, calling them BJP or RSS agents. It's unfair. You can't intimidate them. They're coming, they're helping you out. Let them in. And they are Kashmiris. They have every right to go and work with the, for the betterment of people, with the people there. 
no no it will happen uh, and uh, i know a big bangalore guy is coming here with uh, setting up a data analytics center there are other mm-hmm. uh, there are other fmcg ventures that they are trying lots of land has been allotted but there is so much scope you know i was talking to this family friend of mine in bangalore and he was i was telling him man this is like the wild west you know in when the cowboys came and the pioneers and they made it into the most prosperous nation on earth this is what yeah. this is like today <laughs> you have all these <laughs> jihadis and all and then <laughs> the land is wide open for investment for business for prosperity but it's like uh, because of media propaganda because of the factors that you know it has been uh, sort of hamstrung all efforts are hamstrung but, but have I you think... seen a change i mean do you often come to kashmir or this is like after a long time because i personally have seen a change this time there is an immense change i think for the better in attitude yeah in the attitude the environment and everything i think things are improving a lot but these militants are still abducting muslims and killing hindus and what not that is happening yeah that is happening but i mean but the general uh, feeling when i went i mean i was me i and my friends we were out on a late night drive on boulevard i remember last month april uh, we i had expected lot of security forces those huge trucks of you know army trucks and the personnel there was nobody nobody i can believe the first time i have i had seen the that whole area was it was absolutely safe we stepped out we walked that was late at night nobody bothered us nobody came up and said kya kar rahe ho kahan ja rahe ho jao you didn't see these huge army trucks those green trucks with people there which can intimidate you which the locals would also complain ki hame acha nahi lagta which obviously we know it it is intimidating to see people with guns there and you can't step out i was amazed like every night we used to go out and hang around that whole boulevard and i've seen the I've seen the way people now move out they have started eating out a lot going to there are a lot of restaurants and cafeterias that have opened up it wasn't like this until a few years back i'm telling you right because for work i have been going almost every year every year i had not there was not even a single coffee shop there an ordinary little ccd there was just one which came up after many years aur uske baad kuch nahi tha and now i see so many good places that are mushroomed they are like you know they're quite good something very you can compare them with ones in say delhi or elsewhere and people have started going out my friends who i thought were very conservative earlier but they're letting their children grown up teenagers and all move out go to parties and hang around with people like youngsters do it this was unheard of i mean youngsters going out and hanging together i mean this wasn't a bit in those 90s and 2000 and ye sab nahi hota tha you couldn't so i see a lot of uh, you know the way they have started dressing up now you see many women wearing western outfits also you you know that's normal i mean earlier it was not and people would stare at you if you're in jeans or something ki where have you now they don't give you those so probably their mindsets are also changing and uh, things things look better to me and i uh, and i felt safe i don't know i never felt unsafe when i go back i never feel unsafe over there 
do many people say pata nahi wahan kyun gaye yahan kyun gaye we went to pulwama i remember to see some temple even the cab guy was a little shaky he said jana hai ye area pe kafi you know it's still infested with but honestly we said let's chalo chalo kuch nahi hoga and all that but yeah nothing happened i don't think they do anything to the aam aadmi because they it's just between i don't know yeah with the forces or whatever who i don't know how they pick up these political figures and they must be having some reasons to disrupt the normalcy or disrupt the political setup which is coming up but regarding um this criticism of the military occupation which seems to have been made into a major propaganda point that the army is occupying and it's the most militarized zone in the world and so on i've been here for like almost 3 months i don't see it as a militarized zone you know yes there I is army yeah so uh, there is army here of course but then there is terrorist attacks happening every couple of months you know so i mean what are you supposed but Where most of those bunkers and all have gone which used to be there that's what i'm saying this change that i've seen i've seen it like a normal city i don't see those bunkers not in the city anymore yes probably on the outside far flung areas and all there still is army because they need to be there they can't just let it be open for you know these still people are still hanging around the roofs you know the armed guys the militants and all so why the army has to be there but there is a difference i could tell it being an outsider who visits every year i'm telling you i didn't see the army there i didn't see those barricaded roads those concertina wires or bunkers i didn't see any of that when we went out even in south kashmir i did not i found them only at some places north kashmir we went towards baramulla and all yes some presence there but nobody was bothering anyone nobody stopped us for that matter it was it was like any other place so thoda bahut to rahega see that place still needs uh, security you can't just let it be it's a border area we have i mean people coming crossing over wo to abhi bhi ho raha hai na so for that you need that but if somebody says that they are harassing us and we feel intimidated at least uh, that that's not true not now it was there earlier i know but it's not there now now pandits are settled all over the world pandits are in bombay delhi bangalore they are in london new york los angeles they're everywhere and do you think it's uh, realistic to say that they would leave that and then come back even if the conditions were made uh, you know viable for them to do so so this is something i hear again and again what do you think i mean yeah. i mean would See, you i know what yeah. i think there should be an option to right now there is no option for those who want to yes not everybody is going to move they have taken roots here now like for instance my children what would do they do or what would i do if i go back or my husband do we have to first look for some work we don't even have a home to live exactly okay we exactly. buy one for instance so i don't know then what would we do for a living then you have to look for a job you know they what would my children do they are studying elsewhere so it's 
it's difficult but i'm sure there are many families especially in jammu who are still living in those tiny huts and shacks if you have seen jammu yeah. migrant yeah, yeah 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 i haven't seen them personally but they say i've seen pictures of this jagti township and other they are those little tenements you know that little concentration camp like buildings they filthy one room sets and all those guys in that 45 degrees in those one room sets with a fan and probably five six seven people i don't know how many staying those guys would definitely want to go back i feel there should be an option make it leave it to us if we want to go back we will even if 50% want to go back they should be able to go back so there cannot be a condition now they put conditions on our return that's what i, I don't like you can't have a separate gated colony you can't do this you can't do that so uh, we should be there able to come at our own will respectfully and live wherever we want if we find ourselves safer in a gated kind of a colony or some area let it be like that though personally i would want us to live amongst everyone but then people have these concerns are we say are we going to be safe abhi dekho kya ho gaya like two days back you saw this kashmiri pandit who was a politician also so we don't know why they say we don't know why he was killed was it because he was a politician or was because he was a kashmiri pandit or both so so it it scares you so if we go back what is the guarantee that our lives are secure and there are so many issues but i'm i'm saying make it a possibility that if i want to i should be able to whether i do or i don't that's my choice so they they always make fun of us aap to aate ho you just want to have a summer holiday vacation here and you go back so that's how if i want that I, if i just want a summer home there that's my choice i'll have just a summer home but i should be able to right now i have nothing over there i go and stay in a hotel that's such a shame that in my own city in my own homeland where i have been i was born and grown up i have to stay in a hotel I mean, there can't be such a sadder situation that than that so let me own something right now if i tell my husband let's go and kind of have a little make uh-huh. a little house uh-huh. or keep something yeah. he doesn't feel that our investment is safe right right is should why would we want it's not cheap over there sure <clears throat> the real estate is quite expensive <clears throat> so yeah. even if we buy something uh, why would you want to do that it's better if you want to go 10 days in a year or 15 days stay in a hotel which is much safer so unless they make the whole thing conducive and we are sure that you know we can own a place there and be safe personally i would want to go i would want to lead a retired life there i really crave for a small house somewhere i have even some places in mind and honestly i see my classmates who are from uh, srinagar who still live there i see their houses i feel oh i also need to have something why can they how come they have and i don't have a place <laughs> yeah. yeah i know i know so yeah so it it hits you sometimes Yeah. No, I mean I don't envy them they live there but yeah I belong to the place too <clears throat> I met a couple of brokers who mm-hmm. are selling uh, you know they have properties uh, mm-hmm. outside pehlgam and all these places uh, if you buy it outside <clears throat> then it's about 50 or 40 lakhs if you buy it 
inside near near mm-hmm. Belgaum, then it's upwards of one crore. That kind of thing. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, land. Are you interested in? Land is available and people <coughs> yeah, are buying Yeah, it land. is available. Because is Indians available. have money, so they can invest and just leave it, you know. <coughs> yeah. So. You know, if you have spare cash, of course, you can always. Yeah. Even in Srinagar, you, land is available. Yeah. There are many friends of mine who kind of always send me these offers. Are you interested? Tell me, then we'll talk to so-and-so. This area, that area. So it's expensive, but it's still, one can think of buying. But the point is that we are not convinced. My family is not convinced that we should invest right now. Who knows future mein kya hoga. But uh, we are, I am very attached. I personally feel very attached to the place. I have lived in Delhi for more than 20 years now. But I don't feel like that I belong to Delhi. I don't feel like a Delhiite. Like my kids say, we are from Delhi. You know, dil se aata hai. We are Delhiites. We and uh, I can never say that. I still feel I'm an outsider here. Right. And we sitting here miles, hundreds of miles away from Srinagar, but we keep a tab on what's happening there, what's happening on a daily basis, the politics. I don't know why we do that. I, in my family only, I, I do that. And my family, my kids, my husband, they always say, why do you have to, what's your problem? I mean, you don't live there. You're not going back there anytime soon. Or why, why do you kind of keep on talking to people over there? I fight also a lot with people. So it happens, you know, in these rooms, on social media, there are arguments. And then they're always like giving me those looks. But why do you have to do that? (laughs) Just let it be. Come on. I just can't snap that connection. It's not. I tell them you've not grown up there. So you don't know. My husband has also spent more time in Jammu. So he identifies more with the Jammu side of JNK. So I tell him, I said, you won't feel what I feel. You see it differently. For him, he's not at all emotional about the place, honestly. And I'm just the opposite. So that's how it is. But it's too beautiful for words, you know. That's the thing. This place is so beautiful. I mean, one doesn't even know. And it's, it's like there are no, I have been to Switzerland, but it all looks artificial compared to this place. This is all natural. Too antiseptic kind of a place. Too clean and too, too antiseptic. And the lakes are artificial. Many of the lakes there, they are man-made in Switzerland. Yeah, I mean, but there are some beautiful ones. I remember going from Luzon to Interlaken. There yeah, is yeah. a whole number, number of lakes. They are so pretty. Yeah, yeah, they're very But yes, beautiful. in Kashmir has that rustic beauty, that raw beauty. Yeah. You know, which Switzerland, I would say Austria is probably closer, maybe. Austria, but, you're uh, right. You're right. Yeah, All nice. these alpine lakes and meadows. Mm. You don't see that anywhere else in India, though you have very, Himachal is very beautiful. And Uttarakhand, of course, is very beautiful. But they are not like Kashmir. They're very different. No, not at all. Geographically. Not at all. Yeah. Um, So, Namrita, okay, I think let's, uh, you know, we can start wrapping it up. Um, It's, you know, I just wanted to get some of this out there because I've had lots of people on the podcast, but I wanted to talk to someone who is not firstly 
in journalism or in activism, just a person who can, uh, from the heart, yeah. you know, talk about their experiences. And so this is what I wanted to talk. And, and I think a lot of people are interested. Um, and also that when people, when we talk about our experiences and when we talk about our fears, it should not be construed as bigotry because on yeah. Twitter, there is this propaganda, you know, that is like, people don't know what's going on. First of all, they have no idea, you know, the but other they side, have an opinion on Kashmir. Yeah. They have an opinion. They have an opinion. Oh, occupied, disputed, you know, whatever human rights, whatever they're not looking at you know what's the big picture so anyway thank you so much and uh, i will That's put this welcome. out in a few and it's nice to get to know you a little better and, thank you and uh, i'm sure this talk of ours will reach some people who you know outside kashmir not many people really know about kashmir they might know about the beauty of it and they might know about pehelgam gulmarg but honestly, they don't really know what the problem was or what, how things were there. So if we have these talks and with Twitter and this clubhouse coming in, it has a lot of positives, honestly. They are now getting to this is what had happened. So I think it's good to talk about it while people of my generation are still alive who know what Kashmir was like, what a beautiful place it was and how tolerant people were there earlier we should capture these voices and we should let people know. So thank you so much for giving me a chance to speak. I'm very emotional about the subject and I can keep on going on and on. But uh, thank you very much. Thank you for coming. And in closing, I would like to say that those who are listening, please come to Kashmir. It's a beautiful place. The people by and large are very generous and very friendly and uh, you are not going to have any problems. You know, you can travel at will. There are loads of gorgeous places. Come and spend a few weeks. Uh, people want you to come here. They look forward to your Absolutely. visit. And there is no hostility. Uh, you will be welcome whenever you come. So. Absolutely. I second that. We are the warmest people, I can say. Kashmiris are the warmest people ever. So yes, people do should come and kind of spend some time. Okay, thank bye you. Bye. Have a wonderful bye -bye. day. You. you too. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Big Turtle Podcast. You can find us on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. See you next time. <laughs>